Hey there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast, where our goal is to equip you with the tools you need to ditch the prayer guilt, grow in your relationship with God, and pray like you and nobody else. Stay tuned for our latest episode after this quick word from our sponsor. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Hi there. Welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I am Alana here with Jamie. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm good too. I'm excited about today's coffee break episode. So actually I'm not. I'm a little bit scared of it, but I think it's a great question. And yeah, I think slightly, it's- Yeah, slightly <laughs> terrified, but it's okay. It's yeah. Right. So today we are diving into theological waters, but we, we don't really want to go in the weeds. We really want to keep it practical about prayers for our unsaved friends and our unsaved loved ones. So do you want to read our question for us and then we can jump in? Yeah, this is from Ellen. She says, if God's will is for everyone to know him, then why does the Bible also say that he chooses certain people? I hope you can answer this. So, yeah. And so I've got a really um, quick knee jerk response, Ellen, and that is, Great question. We have no idea. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We're really glad, and we hope to see you next time on our next Praying Christian Women podcast episode. Have a good week. This will go down in history as the most efficient Praying (laughs) Christian Women episode. If if there are people out there that get tired of us, like, conversing, (laughs) hey, this is it. This is it. This This is for you. Um, we we just write back the entire podcast episode is just like the shrug emoji. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we say this all the time, but just if you're new, if you haven't heard us say it, we are not theologians. We love the Bible. We read the Bible. We, you know, have our own ideas about things, but we're not, we've not been, well, I don't know. Have you been to seminary? We've not been to seminary officially. Mm-hmm. We've nope. been to classes mm-hmm. and stuff here and there, but we are not seminarians or theologians. And so this is something that really there are theologians from many different walks that basically believe on one side that, uh, that, that God chooses and like plucks individually predestines from before they were even born people that are going to know him and, and people that believe that there's absolute free will, you choose or you don't. And then everywhere in between, like this is an issue that the short answer really is we don't know and we don't understand exactly, but we won't just leave you with that. We'll talk, you know, briefly about yeah. it. And, we do want to talk about it in the yeah. context of how do we pray for our unsaved friends? So we don't want to dive into the, um, the deep theology because there are lots of viewpoints and people have really good scriptures to back up very different viewpoints on this. Uh, so for people who do just kind of want to scratch that itch, my recommendation is to find, instead of like finding, okay, what does my pastor say about this? Or what does the Bible teacher that I like to follow the most say about this? I encourage you to read a couple things from a few different sides 
Um, there's a book called Four Views on Divine Providence. I haven't read that one, but I've read some in the series where they invite people who have very different views to just respectfully present their own views. So that's that's what I recommend for people who are interested in this question from the real theological level, but we want to approach it from the practical prayer level. And so I'm going to reframe Ellen's question a little bit. And that is, since we know that not everybody is going to be saved, how do we continue to persevere in prayer for our unsaved friends and loved ones? And I'm going to jump on a soap, an inch high soapbox. The one thing I really dislike when I hear Christians talk about this issue is when they use people like uh, Jonah as an example. And it's kind of like, well, God wanted the people of Nineveh to be saved. And so he sent Jonah. Jonah didn't want to go. So if Jonah hadn't gone, God would have just sent somebody else. Or today it is in the language of, well, God already knows who's go- who he wants to be with him in heaven. Although uh, we have a Bible verse that says God wants us all there. <laughs> he wants us all to be saved. He doesn't want any of us to perish. But there's this idea where it's so fatalistic. It's like, oh, I don't even need to bother to pray for Jamie because God already knows exactly what's going to happen to her. And so she's going to get saved whether or not I pray. She's going to get saved whether or not. I witness. I think that is basically like spitting in the the face of the Great Commission, where we are told to go and make disciples. And I like what Paul says in Romans. It's like, how can they be saved unless they hear the word? And how can they hear the word unless somebody speaks it to them? And I think some Christians today have this idea, like there were some neat testimonies of people being saved kind of in like Saul on the road to Damascus kinds of levels where, you know, a vision of Jesus appears to them or something like that, or God speaks to them in a dream and tells them how to be saved. We hear stories like that. And I think that sometimes the lazy evangelical, not in the denominational way, but in terms of like witnessing way excuse is oh well that means that if god tells me to tell jamie about the gospel but i don't but he really still wants jamie to be saved and he's just going to send somebody else or he's going to give her a dream so i don't have to do a single thing that irks me because we are specifically told that it is up to us to be spreading god's word agreed and you know when you feel like some people like i remember one time we were at a bookstore back in the days when people read real books. <laughs> I know some people still do, but, um, but we were at a bookstore, my husband and I, and this might've even been before we were married and there was a book and I forget what it was about. If it was about um, the age of the earth or if it was about evolution, mm-hmm. or, it was something scientific from like, is this biblical or not? And this is, mm-hmm. you know, investigating this. And I was like, Oh, I want to read this. And he's like, why? Mm-hmm. And in his mind, he's like, it's not going to change what I believe. So I don't really right. care about the weeds. Some people right. for them, it's like, I don't care what the details are. And so if that's you, this question might not even matter to you. You're just mm-hmm. like, well, God told me to pray for salvation of people. So I'm going to do it. Other people right. though, 
it's really important for you to get all of the information and assemble it together. And like this book was a great resource, Alana. I think this is for that to give someone like the four views on divine providence, mm -hmm. um, to have a resource, to kind of have it encapsulated in a nutshell, yeah. because, um, you know, to look at it, but the danger as someone who likes the weeds and likes to hear it all and try to get to the root of it. And what I think is truth with a capital T of it, um, is you can get so caught up in the logistics that it keeps you from action. You can get so paralyzed. Mm -hmm. It's like when my kids were, when my, when my firstborn was a baby and I read so many different takes on how to raise your baby that mm -hmm. I just didn't even know what to do. I, and I, yeah. I would try something for a few weeks and then something else. So for this particular issue, just make sure that whatever side you're coming at it from, that you don't let it keep you from prayer. I think if you come to an understanding that, oh yeah, God, God foreknew and predestined everyone. Um, so therefore I don't need to pray. Then that's the wrong takeaway, mm -hmm. regardless mm -hmm. of what the reality is. The takeaway is never going to be don't pray because we've been told to pray. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. make sure that you're focusing on, um, and if you get stuck or stumped that you just take a minute or a day or whatever, but just go to God and say, Lord, how do you want me to pray? Show me how to be excited about prayer. What about the way that you have designed this world makes it miraculous that I get to be part mm -hmm. of a soul being resurrected from death to life? I mean, that's the point. So yeah. make sure not to lose sight of that as you get in the weeds, which I personally enjoy doing. Um, yeah. And I think there's place for humility there too. You know, yeah. I'm, you know, okay. So we're not going into the theological waters of what do Alana and Jamie believe about predestination and election to salvation and things like that. However, the idea that I have experienced God's salvation shouldn't make me feel hoity-toity, right? <laughs> we're told like you're saved by faith and that faith in itself is a gift from God, right? I didn't even muster up that faith. So instead of it turning me into this like little precious, ooh, God chose me or God saved me or I chose God. Why, why is this unsaved person so stupid that they haven't decided to choose God yet? I think we need to come at this question, no matter where you're going to fall theologically, we need to have humility, right? The default is that we're all destined to hell. And the fact that God is clutching some of us out of those flames is an amazing gift. And our job is to make sure that a lot more people get clutched out of those flames than otherwise would have, right? So the biggest aha moment for me, and I know I've talked about it before, but I think it's been a while in terms of is our salvation completely um, set in stone and we have nothing to do with it, no matter what anybody says or does, right? Like 5 billion years ago, God knew exactly who you were. Um, and whether or not you were basically like worthy to be saved is kind of the language, even if people don't put it in those terms. But I think about when Jesus is talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and he tells his followers, if Sodom and Gomorrah had seen the miracles that the people of Jesus's day had seen, they would have repented. And so to me, there is this group of unsaved people who fall into the would have been believers had the right person presented it to them in the right way, had the right person prayed. And so 
I think that puts a lot of burden on us. We can't be complacent. We can't sit back and say, oh yeah, Sodom and Gomorrah got what was coming to them, which is where a lot of us stop, right? Instead, we could say, yeah, but had somebody prayed or we picture uh, Abraham when God is giving him his plans to destroy the city and Abraham keeps petitioning, right? Okay, what if there were 10 righteous people, then will you save the city, right? Our petitions can save people from that type of punishment. Yeah. And while we will never, I I think we need to hold this idea that it can be a mystery. And for someone Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. really wants to learn the facts and put everything together, um, I think in so much of scripture, we have to come to terms with the fact that God is God. And Mm -hmm. if we could figure out every single nuance of how he set things up, then Mm -hmm. he wouldn't necessarily be all that higher than us if we could grasp all of it. Exactly. So that's where I have come to. I do have ideas on things, um, but I I definitely hold that loosely because I'm just like, God is God and I'm not. I don't totally Mm -hmm. understand it. But like you said, um, there absolutely, there is evidence that we have a role to play regardless Mm -hmm. of whether he chose them or didn't, or, you know, it's totally free. I um, think, yeah, I think when we get to heaven and understand that question more fully, I think we're going to see a lot more both and than either or, right? You know, like some people talk about God's sovereignty and our free will is kind of being like two sides of the same coin. How do they all work together? We don't know. But like you said, that's, that's part of why we're finite and God is infinite. And so again, I think, I think there does need to be humility. So in your prayers for the unsaved, honestly, I think this is a question that's pretty stimulating in academic, you know, uh, ivory towers. I think it's pretty interesting when you're diving deep into um, some of Paul's writings. Like I know Romans nine talks a lot about it. I don't, I'm a tiny bit nervous to say it because I think it's going to sound a tiny bit off. So let me say it and then we'll see if I can rework it to be a little closer to what I mean. I don't think that it has huge bearings on how we pray, whether or not somebody is predestined to salvation 100% or it's 100% their choice or if it's somehow those two things working together because we're never going to know. And I would never never want to start praying for my neighbor and say, oh, well, I don't think they're predestined to salvation. So I guess I don't need to pray for them. Like to me, that's putting myself in God's judgment seat. (laughs) I don't deserve to be there and I don't want to be there. So I think that sometimes we can have these very, very interesting discussions, but in our prayer lives, we can focus on the fact that There are people that we love who don't know Christ. We want them to know Christ. And the power that we have is prayer. And maybe not let it have to be more complicated than that. I agree. I'm going to read this scripture and I'll edit it out if you think it's inserting too much commentary into, well, the scripture won't be, but if I say something (laughs) about it. I I don't think this podcast is the place for Bible. I think the scriptures are just, yeah, a little little too much. (laughs) 
So this is the uh this is this is Romans 8 uh 829 well 828 29 and 30. This is kind of where I think a lot of this idea of the word predestination or you know choosing comes from there are others but and we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. So we we hear that a lot. God works all things together for the good. Mm-hmm. For those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and those he predestined. He also called those he called, he justified those he justified. He also glorified Um, when it, to me, the, the hinge of, of the whole thing for me is those that God foreknew is that God is outside of time. He operates outside of at least time as we know it. And if he can see the, he's the alpha, the omega, you know, he sees, he sees the beginning, he sees the end, he sees the big picture. So the ones that he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. Now I know that the Bible also talks about calling people and choosing them. So that definitely adds this element of choosing. But I think this, this idea of foreknowledge kind of can allow in my mind for an either or, or both situation where just remember in your exploring of this whole idea and and even in your prayer life, um, just remember that God has foreknowledge, that he's outside of time as we know it, and that that has implications beyond probably what our human brains can fathom in logic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I, and yeah. I think when we pray for our unsafe friends, there is some authority there. I don't think this is a place to be wishy-washy. I don't think this is a place to be like, God, if, if you really, really want, I mean, I don't think that Derek's all that impressive, but if you really want to bring him into the kingdom, then go ahead and invite him in, I guess, right? Like, there's no place for that at all. And I, I think um, sometimes, yeah, there can be kind of a haughtiness, right? I'm chosen and and Derek isn't or something like that. And um, even if it's a hundred percent predestined, you had nothing to do with it. And so there's no place for arrogance like that. So I would just encourage people, sure, go ahead and pursue this on kind of that intellectual level. And then in your spiritual life, continue to be praying for your unsaved friends as though their souls depend on it, because it absolutely does. Right. And I I like the uh, passage where Peter is told, like Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. It's kind of this picture of Satan has asked for these terrible things to happen to you. Satan has asked for you to fall away, but I, Jesus is speaking here, have prayed for you. Mm. And I think that that's a, that's a really nice picture as well of we can pray against these, these things that otherwise would happen, right? Like Jonah and the people of Nineveh, and he went and he preached and they did repent. And like, let's not be like him. He had that same kind of arrogance. He didn't think that they deserved to be saved. He kind of liked that judgment was coming on them. And sadly, I think there's a tiny hint of that on people in certain camps who rely so heavily on predestination that it does turn into, I'm the cool kid and you're the heathen and there's absolutely no hope for you. And it's interesting because that argument has tainted the church for a long time. Uh, Hudson Taylor is known as kind of the father of modern missions and, and brought the gospel to all kinds of parts of China. And when he was in England trying to kind of raise support 
and to get sent out, this old, you know, well-meaning believer pulled him aside and he said, son, if God wants to convert the heathen, he will do so in his time and in his way. And it was, I mean, there was so much, um, there's so much grossness and xenophobia wrapped up in that as well. And I think we need to be on guard that we're not coming into that. So I think that when we pray for our unsaved friends, I think the only thing in our mind should be, I like the last thing in the world I want is to see this person suffering. And I want them to know the love of Christ. And there shouldn't be any sense of, you know, they're going to get what's coming to them. I think that's horrific because like I said, that's, you know, eternal damnation is the default for all of us. And the fact that we get plucked out of that is such a beautiful and amazing gift that we shouldn't therefore like look down our noses at others. Yeah. Well, and I think some of those, I love that you kind of gave some like guidelines. So regardless of where you fall on this spectrum, guidelines are number one, don't pray less, whatever your understanding Mm -hmm. that you come to God never intended for you to pray less. I I really don't believe that you look at Jesus. We just did this episode. Mm -hmm. It was a Wednesday episode on Jesus praying for us. Why would Jesus have taken the time? He is God. He Mm -hmm. took the time and he prayed for us. If that prayer didn't make a difference, why Mm -hmm. would he have wasted his precious time on earth praying for his disciples and for us? So pray more. Don't pray less, regardless of where you land here. Just Mm -hmm. go to God and ask for more of a passion for prayer. And number two, no haughtiness, no pride, whatever side, you know, whether it's the like, oh, I chose God or God chose me. Never Mm -hmm. let it allow you never allow yourself to, to, to fall into the temptation of feeling haughty or Mm -hmm. looking down on anyone else for whatever it is. Yeah. I think those are great guidelines. Amen. I love that. Well, speaking of praying for our unsaved friends, shall we close with that today? Let's do it. Yeah. We haven't done a prayers for the unsaved in a while. This seemed like an appropriate time to do it. Dear God, today, I don't just pray for my friend's salvation. I pray that once they're saved, they will be fully committed to you, that you would use them in mighty ways to advance your kingdom here on earth. I pray that my friend would walk out the destiny you have for them, the calling you've given them. I pray that my friend's life would be one of good works that will lead people to you. I pray that as a result of my friend's testimony, many others would be saved as well. I praise you, God, because this isn't too hard for you. No matter what kind of life my friend is living right now, you can teach them to live for you. I'm so thankful that nothing is impossible with you, which is why I'm asking not only that you save my friend's soul, but that you make them a mighty warrior for your kingdom, eager to do what is good and zealous to share the gospel with others. Amen. Amen. And if you have any other questions or topics that we can cover in a future Coffee Break episode, you can send those to us at prayingchristianwomen.com slash questions. And we hope you have a fabulous week. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.